Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I am Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. We're happy to start the new year with season three and an exciting lineup of leadership topics. Woohoo! Today we get to discuss how to lead with mindfulness with Rob Bird, a director on Team Quest and a certified yoga teacher, and Stephanie Kelly, an executive assistant on Team Quest and a Reiki master and teacher. Welcome, Stephanie and Rob. Hi. Thank you. Glad Thank to be you. here. Thank you. It's so cool that we're starting off our year, Grace, with this topic of mindfulness. It's helped me both personally and professionally as a leader, and I'm thrilled to explore the topic further with both of you, um, Stephanie and Rob. It's going to be so cool to talk to you about this. The title of our episode is How to Lead with Mindfulness. So before we can talk through how uh, how we do that, I think it would be good to spend a little bit of time talking about what it is. So what exactly is mindfulness? So mindfulness is being in the present, being in the now moment. You are not thinking about anything else. You're here in a non-judgmental moment-to-moment presence. So I'm not thinking about the next question or comment. I'm right here listening to you. Correct. It's a good thing I'm being mindful right now. I think you're getting it. Yeah, got it. (laughs) You're better than I am because I was thinking about the next question. Rob, what do you have anything to add to that, Rob? Yeah, I I, I agree a lot with uh, Stephanie's comment about not being non-judgmental because it allows you to stay in the moment and and uh, we all know the term clearing your head, but I like to think about it being the eye of the storm that you're able to find this this sense of calmness and and connectedness around uh, to yourself and those around you, um, even when there's turbulence happening all around you in a in a crazy world. Yeah, that's a great visual. And I know for me, it's really hard to notice when I'm being mindful or present, kind of being in that eye of the storm. But it's much easier for me to notice when I've been mindless. And when I've not been present and I'll catch myself and say, oh, I was just thinking about my next question I was going to ask you. (laughs) So could you share maybe some examples of when you've caught yourself in that mindless moment? Sure. I uh, I actually live a few blocks from the office here in Denver. And um, sometimes I'll walk to work. And when I arrive to work, I'll realize I have no idea what just happened across, uh, across, across my commute. You know, there's a lot of construction. There's lots of people. There are dogs, sounds, noises. And I'll be so in my head, I couldn't tell you what happened uh, between, you know, the three blocks I walked here. So I think it's an example of just not being, um, being um, disconnected. And in yoga, they call it monkey mind, where your mind's just racing and you're oh. not able to um, uh, ascertain what, what's going on around you. So what you said you've got, you're in your head. What are you thinking about? Uh, it could be the next meeting. It could be, you know, fight with my mom last night. Oh. <laughs> you know, oh. Uh, I don't really do that that much, but, um, but it's, uh, you should say sorry to your mom right now. I, I know, right? She <laughs> might sorry, listen mom. To it. There you go. <laughs> it's so interesting that you're talking about your commute. Cause I don't know if this has happened to anybody else, but I am embarrassed to say that I've actually been in my car on a non-work day on Saturday, driving down the road. And all of a sudden I'm pulling into work. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> why, why did I drive 
unconsciously just ended up someplace that I was not intending on going. And it's like that for me was the best example of of being mindless. So did you end up going in and doing work? No. <laughs> no. Well, at least you, you caught yourself and you were mindlessly walking into work and logging on to your Like, computer. wait, I'm supposed to be meeting a friend for lunch or something. Why am I here? It was so crazy. So speaking of work, Stephanie, uh, do you want to share maybe an example that you have, maybe work-related? So in meetings, we all tend to multitask because we think we can. And reality is we know when somebody's not paying attention. We do a lot of conference uh, dial-in WebEx meetings, and you can really tell when somebody's not present in the moment. So you um, can hear when somebody's typing on their laptop, you can also tell when you've asked them a question and they haven't responded. Um, also, when people are checking their phones. So that is a perfect example of DaVita mindlessness in meetings. Hey, real quick on the multitasking thing, because yes. I'm going to dime my husband out. Hopefully he doesn't get too mad at me about this. But whenever he is looking at his phone and I'm trying to talk to him, he just says, I'm multitasking. And... I have to admit, I do the same. If I'm walking into the elevator, if I'm walking, you know, walking around, wherever I'm in transition next, I'm going to be looking at my phone because I think I'm multitasking and I feel as though I'm more productive Correct. when I'm doing those things. Yeah. So is that is that true? Can we? Are, is no. it multitasking actually more effective? No, it's not. It's not. Oh, um, yeah, I've been in meetings where I've come into the meeting and somebody's finishing up an email and it's, you know, cutting into our time, our meeting time, and then she'll get a response back and she'll res she'll respond to the response and she'll like, it's, 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 just take a moment. It's really important and um, because I am compassionate and kind and I just let it go. Yeah, and I've experienced that on my team. I'll be checking with my team and checking emails while they're talking to me, and I'll have to say, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Can you repeat what you just said to me? So I, I, I don't think it's possible to be checking email and also being engaged and connected with, with people in the room. So it sounds like it takes you longer to do Right, because you have to do remediate. <laughs> Make up for lost time. So, um, yeah, I think research would support that you can't, actually be doing two things at once and that your productivity goes down when you try to do that. Um, so I think there's really clear research out there around that. Um, but it doesn't stop me from trying, <laughs> to be honest. So before we, before we get into strategies on how to pull yourself out of these mindless moments and get present, let's cover why. So for our listeners, could you please uh, share an example of the impact of being mindless as a leader? And you know, what is that, what's that impact on you? What's that impact on your teammates? What's that impact on your productivity? Um, wh why is this so important? Yeah, I, I often think when I go into to work, if I'm on autopilot, then I'm not fully engaged and uh, being intentional about how I'm uh, directing my attention. Um, so um, an, an example for me oftentimes is if I'm going up to give a big presentation and I'm so anxious or worried about what people are going to think about my presentation that, you know, it, I, you know, let's say it's in the afternoon and it's in the morning, I'm just so worried about it, then it, it detracts from my ability to, to do a good job. So I think by having these practices, you can stay engaged with uh, not only your work, but then when you 
um, are able to find a place of peace in, in your in yourself, um, then you have more confidence. You um, do uh, have better work product, and then also have better connection with your team and provide more value. Um, so I think you know, mindless for me also is like you can be anxiety, depression, um, other things that come up in life that that trigger into work. So I think having a separation between work and, um, you know, when you're at work being completely present at work and when you're at home being completely present at home, um, and, and having a lot of, uh, ability just to connect to, um, you know, what you need to be doing in each moment. Can you share an example of when you were intentionally being mindful and, and, you know, the positive, you mentioned positive impact, the positive impact it had on, on others? Sure. Um, I, I think a lot of times, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I work in a cube, and so a lot of times you can look around um, and see if someone's not having a good day or someone's struggling. Um, so um, uh, create, you know, in the spirit of core value of team, um, you know, if you see someone struggling or it needs help, you know, pulling them aside and just showing that you care and asking how you can support, um, I think that creates a team environment, but then also gives that person support th- that they can be mindful and connected to the day. Because a lot of times, you know, when people try to repress a hold um, things in, um, I think that's a, an example of mindlessness. And so when you give them the opportunity to be vulnerable and open it up, um, then it allows them to, uh, to be mindful. Um, so I think mindfulness also can be a team effort. Yeah. Which, um, and I'd like to um, also add to that, that when I'm leading meetings, I pay attention to eye contact. I pay attention to body language. Are their arms crossed? Are they on their phones? Are they um, looking out the window? And I don't take it personally. It's not me. It's something that is going on in their heads. And I always try and maybe take a moment after the meeting to connect with the teammate to make sure that um, something else isn't going on and um, how can I help them? So then you being, so what I'm hearing, Stephanie, is you being mindful and noticing those things in the meeting and being able to connect with those teammates after the meeting has helped those teammates? Correct, correct. And, you know, we, we bring our laptops into meetings. People use OneNote to take meeting notes. And so you tend to realize, okay, they're not on Jabber. Um, they're actually taking meeting notes. But something else might be going on um, with them. So you really want to connect with them afterwards, which is, you know, one of the core values is is team. Could you share a specific example, Stephanie, then of of a time where when you have um, been mindful and the specific impact it had on a teammate? Yeah, um, I was leading a meeting and I noticed a teammate um, was checking um, the phone, her phone all the time. And um, afterwards, um, I just wanted to say, is everything okay? I didn't take it personally that she was just chatting with somebody else, but it turns out that um, her mother had just gone into the hospital, and oh um, and um, so that the compassionate side. Um, so and instead of making a judgment call, like okay, she's not paying attention to this very important meeting that I have set, and I need to talk to her supervisor. No, um, totally, you know, um, um, put the fire out and just talked with her and connected with her and offered her some sympathy. Um, yeah. That's great. What are some other specific uh, tools or strategies people, our listeners, could use to become more mindful? Sure. Um, I, I think one thing I use um, is is journaling or writing out my thoughts. Um, I think there's a lot of value um, in 
you know, starting your day with making a checklist and having some intentionality around what you want to accomplish that day and, and then continue to refer back to it um, so that you can stay f- focused. Um, but also, you know, if something's bothering you or if something uh, is, let's say, keeping you from, you say you're putting together a presentation or a, a work product and there's kind of a, a block between uh, uh, you and your ability to, to uh, execute on that, you know, journaling for a few minutes, just what you're feeling um, can often connect you with, you know, kind of what it's going on in your inner landscape um, so that you can, you know, course correct or, or address it. And um, there's a lot of power in putting your thoughts on paper so that they're not uh, just floating in your head, but there's some actual structure that you can make them actionable. So how often do you journal, Rob? Uh, I, ideally I'd like to say every day, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, but, uh, but it's, um, it can be variable with, you know, life happens and, um, it's easy to, to forget, but I, I find a lot of value out of journaling. Um, uh, and there's different ways I, I journal. Sometimes it's, you know, gratitude, like what am I grateful for? A lot of times I'll journal, um, you know, just do a, a dump on the page, just, you know, if my mind feels like it's racing and all over the place. And then sometimes it's more intentional um, about, you know, what what my goals are and kind of more forward looking. Mm-hmm. So it kind of depends on what you need in the day. It, I, I, um, and listening to to, you know, what what's calling. Yeah, you. you know, I use that strategy. I found it has been helpful for me in meetings, not necessarily journaling a deep reflection, but more of getting something on paper can really help to clear my mind. And so I have a tendency to jump in and talk a lot. And I know it's really strange to hear that, right? That I like you, to talk a lot. You but. should host a podcast because <laughs> you like to talk so much, Grace. I'm going to put. Should I'm going to journal about that. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So I will. I will write down the thought that I have in my mind or the question that I have, and not interrupt somebody and not change the flow, and just let it sit there, and then I can stay present. You know, so I'm not th- rehearsing this question and asking it in my mind over and over again. I can put it down on paper and then and then listen to the other person. And so that's that's a great example. Yeah, that's also a strategy I use if you're in a big group and you know you you feel like you want to say something but you don't want to sound dumb in front of a large group, right? You can r- jot down some notes that when you're you're you know having a thought on the fly, so to speak, that you still um, have some structure that you can refer to and feel more confident in what you're saying in that group. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Stephanie? Breath work. Um, Mm. uh, So mindfulness, a part of mindfulness meditation is breath work. And you start by breathing in and then breathing out. And so breathing can you in. can you do just a quick example of what out. that sounds like? Like how how quickly are you breathing? <laughs> yeah, just give us uh, a quick demo. You know, it varies from person to person. So I've been doing breath work for a while. So I can I like to breathe in for a count of four through the nose, hold, and then release for a count of eight through the mouth. And you repeat, and you repeat, and you repeat. And then after that, you're focusing on your breath. And yes, our mind will tend to wander about, I'm focusing on my breath. I must count to four. But after a while, you come back. You, you acknowledge that thought, and you come back to your breath work. And then after that, you start recognizing, where am I tense in my body? How can I relax the muscles in mm-hmm. my body? And when you're in meetings, um, that is really important um, to do. Um, to relax, because then your anxiousness goes away, your stress goes away, and you're you're focused back in on the meeting. 
Excellent. Yeah, I heard this really cool statistic that under stress, we lose our peripheral vision. Like when we're at rest, our peripheral vision is at about 160. And then when we're under high periods of stress, it can narrow to almost 60 degrees. Wow. So yeah. that's a huge example of the, and I think your your tip of power of breath is a great way to keep that peripheral vision open, which is going to, I think, metaphorically support you in being more effective as a leader in meetings and with your teams. Yeah. And the more you focus on breath, you realize, oh, my gosh, I was just holding my breath because right. you're, you're thinking about, <laughs> OK, I need to interject because I have something important that I want to uh, contribute to the meeting. But when you're focusing on your breath, you start to relax the muscles. So, Stephanie, you mentioned earlier about, uh, I think you had mentioned in remote meetings, like when we're in WebEx kind of meetings, when you can't see the other person, but you can kind of, you could probably sense whether or not somebody is checked in or checked out. So how in those situations can you maybe in lead mindfulness in the, when you can't see the other person? Well, you don't really want to call the other person out um, and be obvious that they're not paying attention. Um, so you ask them questions, you get them involved in the meeting and, um, or you say, um, Hey, Sally is your um, phone on mute. And then that, that usually will nudge them a little bit to get, become more involved instead of, Hey, I just asked you a question. <laughs> no response. The other strategy I've seen uh, leaders use really effectively is like, hey, let's go around the room and hear each person, a metaphorical room when you're remote, but and, he, and then get every voice activated. Um, sometimes our conference calls are so large that you can't do that. Um, but that's something I've seen leaders do that's been really, really a way to draw people in. Yeah, I, I have to admit that it's, it's challenging for me to be on a remote call on WebEx when the video is not on for me to stay fully present. So, Rob, do you have any tricks that you've used to, to help yourself in those moments? Yes. So personally, I, I try to remove as many distractions as possible. I know we've talked about um, the email pop-ups on Outlook where they pop up and then suddenly you're checking email and not engaging in the call. And I think also... Um, can, you know, those, can you turn those off? You can. Um, I, I knew I, that you could turn those off. I don't know why I asked you if you could turn those off because I have turned those off and I recommend that you turn them off. So well, I'm sorry. Our old chief compliance officer actually said she was only checking emails in certain periods of the day. And so that kind of reminded me that, you know, there's time to check email and there's time to do other things because I think email and, and phones and pop-ups, Facebook, whatever else comes up on your phone are all triggers to take you uh, away from uh, what you're concentrating on. And the other thing I think too is, um, you know, having some, some commitments from your team, like we're on WebEx together, right? Let's, let's stay engaged and focus on not doing email. So I think if it's some team accountability, that's a strategy that we've used that I think has been effective. I, I, so what I'm hearing is in some individual accountability and some team accountability. And uh, there is some self-discipline involved with this. Right. And we have technology available to, that can either help us or hurt us in this effort. So we have to choose to be mindful. And yeah. Yes. And this table is a perfect example. We have no technology on the table. Our phones are not here with us. We don't have our laptops because we are being conscientious and being present. Except for the big mics right in front of our faces. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And and that reminds me too of uh, um, uh, leaders that I've heard uh, one leader specifically talk about. He has gone out and bought a box 
And every day when he gets home, he places his phone in the box until his daughter is asleep. And then he will remove the phone from the box as a way to keep himself present when he's at home with his kids. Wow. I do that. At, my friends and I do that at dinner. We have we all, we all put our phones on the table on the side and um, just so that because how many times have you been at dinner, right? And everyone's texting on their phone and like, why am I even here? That's and a is, great idea. And is, a, is a person who checks their phone first have to yeah. pay the whole bill? Is yeah, that, in theory, it's never happened. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try that the next time. All right. So unfortunately, we are at the end of our time today. It has been so much fun talking about mindfulness and, and being present here with you all. So let's, uh, let's, as we wrap up all of our episodes, we would love to hear one tip. You've shared so many tips during this episode, but we'd love to hear your one tip that you would challenge our listeners to go out and try so that they can start to bring mindfulness into their leadership. Yeah. Um, actually, Doug's uh, comment about tunnel vision earlier uh, reminded me that one practice that was recommended to me that I found really effective was actually staring at a, a landscape far away um, so that uh, for about two minutes. And so it's easy to do in the office here in Denver because you can look at the mountains, right? But um, that relaxes your mind and kind of gets you back in your parasympathetic nervous system versus your sympathetic, which is your more fight or flight. Um, so just a, a, a eat calm, easy glaze out into a, a landscape or a sky um, is really helpful. So we should just all take a moment every day to just stare out the window yeah. and just... You know, not think it's weird. Everybody's standing there in front of the window just staring. I love it. And for me, it would be take a walk. Get away from your desk. Get away from the building. We here, we in Denver, we have this beautiful park right over the bridge. And mindfully and purposely be there in your walk. How does the walk on the grass, how does it feel under your feet? Can you feel the breeze coming in? Can you smell the river well, the pleasant smells anyway, <laughs> as you're walking. Um, so, and to just get away and reconnect. Well, great. Thank you so much for sharing those tips. And it's been so much fun having you on the show. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. That was a refreshing conversation with Stephanie and Rob, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, it was. It's really cool. Really appreciate their tips at the end. And uh, when you find yourself being mindless i.e. driving to work on a non-work day. <laughs> like, isn't that the silliest thing I've ever done? Um, take a short, yeah, so here are their two tips. One is take a short walk, like get out and take a short walk. And Or secondly, uh, was to gaze at something in the distance, like a landscape or just get getting your, your, your view up and out. Yeah, I love those tips. They're so simple and you can put them into action quickly. So Doug, now it's my turn to follow up on what I tried from the last episode on leading the core value of fulfillment with Louis Efron. Drum roll. Yep. His uh, tip was to use the acronym SLAM, S-L-A-M, to help you get one step closer to living and leading fulfillment. So Hmm. you're supposed to ask yourself, how can you slam back on track? So you ask, what can you stop doing? What can you do less of? What can you add? that you're not doing and what can you do more of? So so how did it go? How did slamming go? <laughs> you know, Doug, it, you know how long, Doug, it took me to, to find true fulfillment 
in the work that I do and where I do it. And I am so fortunate. I really am. I practice gratitude every day that I've, I found um, this at DaVita. And I know that I can still do some more fine tuning to stay hmm. fulfilled. Yeah. So I use SLAM, which, by the way, is a great way to set some New Year's resolutions, if that's your type of thing. Excellent. Um, so I use that to fine-tune. I'm committing to stop with the negative self-talk. So that's my little shadow. Gotcha. That is tells me I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and I don't deserve this. Yeah. So I'm going to stop that. And I plan to accept less meetings where I'm not needed so I can better prioritize my time on things that deeply fulfill me. That's a good one. I plan to add a deep cleansing breath to the beginning of meetings and just activate that parasympathetic nervous system that Rob was talking about. Beautiful. And I plan to create more fun on my team. So those are my slam commitments. That's really cool that you went through uh, that exercise, Grace. It sounds like it will be helpful for you as you start off 2019 with such clear intentionality, as we like to say here in the village. And for our listeners, we'd love to hear your stories and tips as well. So please check out the show notes and click on listener mail, the listener mail link. Um, or go to podcast.davidoway.com and find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. See you next week. One for all. And all for one.